Oh, Will Manso here with Clay Ferrero, your Miami Sports Pod. Uh, after a week of reflection, Clay, on the big news that happened early in the week with the firing of Brian Flores. And not only do we have the week of reflection, but now we've had a week of understanding why it happened, what happens next for the candidates, and more importantly, late in the week, the future for Tua Tungavaloa as far as a member of the Miami Dolphins. So those are all things we're going to get to. Let's start with the obvious, Clay, as we begin uh, the initial thoughts that you had when the news came down that Brian Flores was fired as the head coach of the Dolphins? Surprise, but not shock. You know, we had the report from Jay Glazer on Sunday that he had heard from people that, hey, don't just assume that Brian Flores is safe. But then he even dismissed it by saying, I, I mean, why would you fire Brian Flores? He'll have mm-hmm. a job in two seconds. So the initial response, I would say, was surprise, but not shock, because you had kind of gotten a heads up that it was a possibility the day before. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you in the sense that we shouldn't be shocked, but I I will admit I was shocked. Uh, We had discussed Brian Flores on our Sunday night show and said the same thing. I think you and I both agreed. Brian Flores is not without flaw. Brian Flores has not been perfect as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. But the fact that they had won, had winning seasons in back-to-back years for the first time since 2003, the fact that I felt that they were trending in the right direction as far as improving key areas of the team, the fact They had a defense that played very well for much of the season, in particular the second half of the season when they got hot. I think there was a a, a view that they were trending in the right direction. Now, the picture we were painted from Stephen Ross when he met with the media to announce the reason that Flores was fired was much different than the picture that I think you and I and that most outside of the organization had of flow, and that's this. Most of us felt that Brian Flores had controlled this organization in the sense that, okay, things are headed in the right direction. We know where this is going. Everybody buys in. Stephen Ross painted a picture of not everybody bought in, in particular Chris Greer, and there was a sort of dysfunction within the organization on where things were going and a lack of agreement as to the way it was moving forward. That caught me by surprise. Not that sometimes things happen that we're not aware of, but that it was to the degree where you had to fire a guy who was, again, coming off a consecutive winning season for the first time in over a decade plus for this franchise. So, Clay, I think that's where the disconnect happens for me. Brian Flores is not without fault. I don't want this to seem like we're doing a podcast to defend the honor of Brian Flores. But the fact that this all comes out, and it's almost like the big bad Brian Flores is out, you know, by Stephen Ross, quote, I don't think that we were really working well as an organization. I was a bit surprised at that. Uh, Saturday was what really got me. And and for those of you who, who didn't follow every report on Saturday, you had pretty much simultaneous reports from Adam Schefter and, and Ian Rappaport from NFL Network that basically pinned the entire Deshaun Watson pursuit on some level on Brian Flores. And it was almost like, well, and this was this was what got me. It was almost like the Dolphins wanted to just – put everything involving Deshaun Watson and the potential Mm -hmm. PR problems that they might have already had or could potentially have in the future. They wanted to just put that all in the rear view by pinning it on Brian Flores. And then you started to piece some things together. And Will, that's why I said this on, on Saturday, I tweeted this. I said, if you're a Dolphins fan sitting there and you're asking yourself, is this normal? Do do other teams fans have to deal with this? Mm -hmm. No, no, they do not. And I was not talking about just Saturday. I'm talking about Tony Sperano being the head coach while you're pursuing Jim Harbaugh and having this weird 
press mm-hmm. conference to explain why you still want Sperano as the head coach without ever actually denying that you were going after Harbaugh. I'm talking about Chris Furster. I'm talking about Bullygate. How yeah. many times do we uh, – uh, having a GM – who and then hiring a coach yeah. without it actually being hired by the GM and then like not having a GM but keeping the coach this is not normal and, and well, so the, this is just the latest abnormal thing that we're seeing yeah. with this franchise what this does the, not have the common theme what's the common thread Stephen yes. Ross yes and, and Ross yes. says quote I'll, I'll take all responsibility I'm the owner of the team and if it's not working it's really up to me that is why we are making a change, but here's the thing. You can't change the owner. I mean, Steve Ross is going to fire himself. He's not going to sell the team. This guy desperately, I have said many times in the past, you and I have had this discussion, Clay. I know that Steven Ross wants to win badly. Yes. I know he puts yes. his money where his mouth is. He's not in the sense of bad owner of that. He doesn't care and doesn't use the proper resources where I think his ownership and his ability as an owner is in question is the fact that he somehow thinks that he can magically wave a wand and that everything will get better. And you keep believing Chris Greer. Chris Greer keeps making it through unscathed. And look, Chris Greer had a good draft. But what I don't understand is you're saying that they didn't work well collaboratively, right? That there wasn't a good collaborative effort as to what you wanted to do. Well, this last draft gives some credit to Brian Flores and Chris Greer then for nailing some of these picks, for having the ability to find some really key players early in this draft. And if you're going to sit there and say Brian Flores didn't like Tua, well, then why did Chris Greer jump on board with Tua? And all this stuff about, you know, you you referenced the reports on Saturday about Tua Tungvaloa and sticking with the future and they're not pursuing Deshaun Watson. Where was all that for the last year when you left Brian Flores on an island weekly and your quarterback yes. you now say you have so much faith in weekly on an island, having to answer questions as to who is going to replace him and why and all these trade rumors and Flores having to defend and saying, he's my guy, he's my quarterback. Where were you in this year? How can you all of a sudden say it was the big bad Brian Flores? He's a meanie. He's not a nice guy. I didn't like the way he did business. He didn't get along with Chris Greer. He's the one that that forced us into this predicament. And now that he's gone, everything's going to be okay. And Tua Tungavaloa is our quarterback and all this stuff. I don't buy it one bit. Yeah, so then you had let's, – let's go back again. So, so that was Saturday, and the reason why I wanted to hit on that was because it was kind of putting a bow on everything that we saw and heard all week. So you had Brian Flores fired. You had Stephen Ross stand up there and talk about collaboration. And, and really the word is alignment, right? Like there was clearly a disconnect on the direction in which they were going. Well, well obviously to me that immediately signaled quarterback, and it was immediately pointing towards the most important position on the field. So the week goes on. And then you had those reports on Saturday, right? But the report the day before that was the one that really kind of put everything into perspective and really crystallized everything to me. And that was the one that said, Brian Flores didn't like Tua's work ethic, okay? And so, and I'm sure there was a lot more involved with this, but bottom line is it was very clear, it became apparent that for whatever reason, Brian Flores and Tua Tungavailo were not going to work well together, Okay. So what I don't understand then is why is it just a Brian Flores decision apparently at the time, Mm -hmm. given what we started to hear on Saturday morning to then go after Deshaun Watson, because then we saw those Saturday morning reports, but immediately after that you had Aaron Wilson, who's a really reputable reporter in Houston say, "Uh, hold on a minute here. The Dolphins organization hired legal counsel in Houston to try Mm -hmm. to figure out if Deshaun Watson. Oh, I remember when that happened. Yeah. 
I mean, did, did Brian Flores call this this law office? Did Brian Flores hire this legal counsel? Like, no, man. Like, the whole thing to me, Will, it's, look, maybe Brian Flores wasn't the right guy to be the head coach. I don't know that. I wasn't in the building. But to paint him, like you said, as big bad mm-hmm. Brian Flores, as being the reason why the Dolphins felt, and to look at him as the reason for the lack of alignment when he's mm-hmm. not the GM, like, wasn't that the whole reason why you brought this this group together before was because you felt like there was going yeah. to be that alignment. So what, what it seemed like more to me, Will, was Brian Flores didn't believe in Tua Tungabailoa as this team's quarterback. Fair. Right I or think, wrong? I think, we could believe, I think we could believe that is true. Absolutely. So if that's your report, if that's the reason why it happened – then just say that. And mm-hmm. and like, it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what? Quarterback and coach are the two most important people in an organization. We as an organization, we believe in Tua Tungabayaloa moving forward, but Brian Flores can't get along with him. So this yeah. isn't going to work, but they can't say that will because the organization must've done something to pursue Deshaun Watson. Or else Absolutely. Legal counsel wouldn't have been hired. I, Again, I said it in the beginning, this is not a podcast to defend Brian Flores. We no. can find plenty of ra- valid reasons why Brian Flores was fired. You could look at the slow starts. You could look at some of the questionable decisions. You could look at the fact that he couldn't put together an offensive staff his entire time here with any sort of consistency to help that young quarterback grow. We could go back to last year and the pulling in and out of Tua in the lineup, out, Ryan Fitzpatrick in all things we could look at his role in this pursuit of Deshaun Watson that happened for literally a year. All of those things are reasons you could say Brian Flores failed as a head coach for the Miami Dolphins. But to then, after the fact, leak out information to make it seem like he was the only reason any of this happened, that you almost made a trade for a player with all of these legal issues hanging over his head with the, the, what would come if you made that kind of move or attempted to make that kind of move from a PR perspective as an owner to sit there and say, oh, that was Brian Flores. That was Brian Flores. That's not my fault. Brian Flores is the one who wanted Deshaun Watson. No, you are the owner. You're the one who had to make sure you could pull it off. You're the one who had to register what it would mean from a public relations standpoint. You are the one, the only one that could possibly have final say in a move like Deshaun Watson in a trade for a player that has so much trouble following him right now and hanging over his head. So for the Dolphins, Brian Flores getting fired isn't what has me all fired up and has me not, you know, not understanding what the Dolphins were thinking. It's the fact that within a week of the firing, all quietly in one little Saturday morning, you start leaking out information that big bad Brian Flores was the was the guy and the reason why you did this. That he is the one who sabotaged the young quarterback. He is the one who wanted the guy with all the legal problems. He is the one that that pushed Chris Greer and and is the one that that made me have to pursue this. But now that he's gone, everything is okay. We're going to stick with our quarterback. It's going to be fine. That clay is the part where I can't understand. Fire Brian Flores, fine. Then to throw him under the bus, make him the scapegoat, and act like he has been the only issue in this organization the last three seasons is an absolute joke on the part of Stephen Ross and the Dolphins organization. So just to just to to be sure that people know we're not defending Brian Flores, let me add another reason why you could find some fault with how he handled all of this. 
whenever it became apparent to him that he was not going to be able to get a quarterback other than Tua Tungavailoa, you have to immediately go in all, all in on Tua Tungavailoa. And it never felt like, I mean, going all the way back to when they hired Chan Galen as the offensive coordinator who had worked with Ryan Fitzpatrick before. Like, I, I mean, there was never a feeling that this team was being built around Tua Tungavailoa. At the same time, look at what Cincinnati did. They go and they get Joe Burrow. They draft Jamar Chase. They start to build around Joe Burrow and get the guys that they feel like are going to make him better. You have to build around your quarterback, and you have to, as a coach, make sure that you're bringing in offensive minds who will do mm -hmm. what your quarterback does well, who will call what it. So, again, let's add that to the list of things that maybe Brian Flores didn't do well. So let's add this one now to the list of just a complete organizational failure. For some reason, Brian Flores felt all year long, and it felt like in that organization all year long, like there was still a chance that Deshaun Watson was going to be a Miami Dolphin. And it wasn't until after the trade deadline that this team finally put everything together. And we could sit here and say, oh, well, the schedule got softer. No, man, they lost to Jacksonville. They lost to there were They were far from perfect. Yeah, they were far from perfect. So why then was Brian Flores still of the belief that Deshaun Watson was a possibility for Miami unless he was being told by other people in the organization that they, this was potentially going to happen. So yeah. again, Will, I agree with you in that I think Stephen Ross wants to win and I think he wants to win badly. What seems to consistently be lacking with this organization is any sense of direction. They're always meandering off yeah. into you're firing one guy, you're hiring. So there's never yeah. a full clean house moment where you can get that alignment. I'm it's glad you, you said clean house. You've got to get it. I, I'm glad you said clean house because, you know, he didn't. And obviously, again, we're in the situation where Chris Greer remains. And I will give credit to Chris Greer. But if you're going to give credit to Chris Greer, you have to give credit to Brian Flores because you're saying that they both had to work together, right, to make this happen. Then you're saying, well, it didn't work well together. Like it just, they couldn't, they, they couldn't communicate well. Well, they came together to take two tongue below, obviously, instead of Justin Herbert, because if somebody would have stepped up for a decision that big, whether it's Brian Flores or Chris Greer, then I would assume that you'd have to take the other quarterback. You'd have to figure out a way. They obviously were in alignment there. Has it worked out? We don't know. You and I have both been big defenders of Tua and feel that the Dolphins can win with Tua if you build around them. But I think we're starting to see Tua is not the franchise elite quarterback. You know, they're sticking with him, but I don't think they're sticking with him in the sense of saying, hey, he's the next Patrick Mahomes or he's even a Justin Herbert. They're sticking with him. I think we can give them the necessary things we need to put around them. But I think when you look at, you know, Javon Holland, when you look at Jalen Phillips, when you look at the decisions that were made in this last draft and the players that were taken, Jalen Waddell uh, setting a rookie record for most receptions in a season. I mean, when you look at the things that were made and the decisions that were made, you can't tell me that all of a sudden they're not in alignment and then blame it on Flores and Greer's the man when they had to come in the alignment to not only take Tua, but to take these other players who were a big part of the Dolphins' success. And oh, by the way, we're going to get into the guys to replace Flores because he's gone. That's it. He's not coming back. But whoever does take this next job has weapons, has young players. Again, Tua, Waddle, Holland, Phillips. You go down the list. Two shutdown type corners that you've got paid the big contracts. They have decisions to make with Mike Kosicki and Emmanuel Agba. But again, the cupboard isn't bare here. This is a pretty good roster. I do agree with Stephen Ross on that. 
My disagreement with Steven Ross, though, is that Brian Flores, for some reason, was holding back this roster from being any more than it should. This team was 9-8 and eight this year, and I think they were a 9-8 and eight team. But I also think they could be a 10-7, and seven, you know, 11-6 and six type of team with some nice pieces added this offseason, and I have no reason to believe that you couldn't have done that with Brian Flores still as your head coach. Right. And so what appears to be happening is Brian Flores is the one taking the fall for the lack of alignment. When, I mean, I I think you and I could, could both argue that he did some really good things as a coach. Right. And and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, Oh, everything he did was perfect. Just like you can't look at every pick that Chris Greer has had and say, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can't really pick out an offensive lineman currently on the roster. Oh yeah. By the way, are you so, in alignment on that? Are you in alignment on that, Clay? Right. Like who was aligning that offensive line? So Brian Flores, despite making some really good coaching moves and coaching decisions and some bad coaching moves and coaching decisions, gets fired for lack of alignment. Chris Greer, who's made some really good draft picks like Javon Holland and and and, uh, and Jalen Phillips, Jaylen not some not so good draft picks and some failures along the Austin Jackson he, still to be determined and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. He, he he doesn't take the fall for the lack of alignment. So I, I guess that's what's what's odd to me is there was just a different standard for Brian Flores with all of this, and the reasons why you let him go were not the reasons why you didn't let go of Chris yeah. Greer. So you know if you're just saying job performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can find fault with both and you can find good things with both. But why fire one for lack of alignment and not the other when mm-hmm. Chris Greer has been here longer and you would think would be more responsible for said alignment? You said something. I want to end the topic on Stephen Ross and look ahead to the replacement. But I want to end it with this. And I thought what you said was excellent, Clay, about about Chris Greer being here longer. Right. Why has Chris here been Chris Greer been here longer? Why has he been here this long? Part of the organization for 20 years. Again, general manager since 2016. Keeps surviving all of these changes, whether it's head coach or player, quarterback, whatever it may be. I'll tell you why. Chris Greer is a good football man. He knows his stuff. I'm not going to paint Chris Beard to be some dummy who doesn't know what he's doing. And we just pointed out some of the draft picks he's hit on, though we could certainly point out many he hasn't. But Chris Greer is the perfect man to be next to a billionaire owner. And I don't know many billionaires, but let me tell you the one thing I've learned about billionaires over the years. They don't like to hear no. They don't like to be told they're wrong. They don't like to take the blame for things. And Chris Greer is the perfect guy to soothe things for Stephen Ross, to be that yes guy that, hey, we're going to fix things. Who do we have to do? get? What do we have to do? And basically, he's a good company man. Chris Greer is the ultimate company man that doesn't ruffle feathers from within. Brian Flores was the opposite of that. Brian Flores is a feather a feather ruffler, if you could put it that way. He wasn't afraid to stand up to Stephen Ross. He had no problem voicing his opinion, right or wrong, by the way. Again, it goes back to this isn't the defense of Brian Flores. This is just telling you that Brian Flores is a man who wore his emotions on his sleeve and would tell you what he felt. Chris Greer is a man who understands what it takes to survive 20 years in this business. You can't, you can't be the guy that's always fighting with the owner. You can't be the guy that's always saying no to the owner. You have to be that company man. And Chris Greer is the ultimate company man on top of, again, being a good football guy. But to survive this long and to keep getting through there, it's more than just football. He knows the things he has to say to, to Stephen Ross to keep this job. I don't know how much longer he's going to keep saying it, or I don't know if maybe it's going to take a, a young head coach or come in here and winning right away because Brian Flores took a, a, a rebuild to five wins, to 10 wins, to nine wins, to back-to-back seasons, winning for the seasons for the first time 2003, and he's out of a job. So 
with all that said, Clay, who wants this job? I know a lot of people do. I, I ask that. I say that laughing, but knowing there are plenty of good candidates. What's the answer to align with Chris Greer and be the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins leading them forward? Yeah, and and while we're getting into replacements, let me add something you just – I thought Mike Florio from Home Football Talk put this perfectly. He said, the head coach is on the field constructing a game plan, yeah, calling plays, making in-game decisions – while the GM is up in the owner's box whispering sweet nothings into the owner's ear. Absolutely. And all week, while Brian Flores is working with his players and coming up with game plans and getting into the nitty-gritty of what needs to be done, I'm not saying Chris Greer isn't hard at work, but it's a lot easier for Chris Greer to have conversations directly with the owner and say, I don't, I, <laughs> excuse me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is going wrong. One second, let me call it. And throw yeah, under I, the I bus and throw under the bus Brian Flores. Well, exactly. Absolutely. And so, like, it's it's this like affirmation bias of yeah. if if Stephen Ross says, "Oh, why is this happening?" Mm-hmm. The person who's with him more often can say, "Oh, it's because this person that you never talked to is doing this." Yeah. And so, I, I think there's this goes back to exactly what you were saying, which is kind of having the ear. All right, as far as replacements go. Hey, well, where would you go? Where do you go? I, where do you, uh, you hear Brian Dable? You hear Leslie Frazier. You hear the possibility of a Jim Caldwell. You heard Mike McDaniel. That name is very popular now. Young guy in San Fran. I don't know if there's a right answer. And Clay, before, I want you to get in the replacements, but here's the problem with me firing a coach like this, a coach that, again, I thought was trending in the right direction. If you fire him, who are you going to hire? If yeah. you have an obvious choice, you fire him and you go to it. If Jim Harbaugh was the answer, I would have been satisfied with that. If you would have told me, hey, I got a chance at Jim Harbaugh. He wants to come here and I'm going to pay him big money. Then I would have been fine with it. The problem is now we're, we're going through a list of 9, 10, 12 guys trying to hire a coach who you have no idea may end up being better than Brian Flores. That's where my problem is. Well, and so to kind of go go off of what you just said as far as, you know, I, I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer. For those who be, know I'm a Saints fan, in 2006, uh, Sean Payton really wanted the Green Bay Packers job. They hired Mike McCarthy over Sean Payton. They made the choice of Mike McCarthy over Sean Payton. So, and nobody blinked an eye at the time. And given what we just saw in the Dallas Cowboys playoff game, I think Mike McCarthy leaves a lot more questions. Yeah, I, I think I'd take Sean Payton over just about anybody. Yeah. So there is no right answer. There is no like magic formula of hiring the right person. You need to bring in somebody who has a vision for an organization. You can't mm-hmm. just go out and try to hire the, the the next Sean McVay. Zach Taylor isn't succeeding in Cincinnati because he's this brilliant offensive mind. He's succeeding in Cincinnati because Damn. he's got Joe Beardborough. I, I, I know you were going to say that. And he's got a lot of Chase. talented players. And, and, and by the way, I think he probably has a good vision for that organization, and guys play hard for them. He's not doing it because he's a good X's and O's guy. You don't get – and here's the thing. Before we get into the names, which we will now – you don't – it doesn't matter who that next name is. If you don't have your quarterback, they're going to fail. So and Brian, and, and that's the – Zach Taylor isn't having success in Cincinnati no. if they don't have Joe Burrow. No. And whether Tua is the answer or not, again, we're not going to argue that now because we've, we've debated Tua plenty, and for the most part we've been on his side. But if Tua doesn't develop and become that next guy, then the replacement of Brian Flores will likely fail. And that's just the way it works. And that's why, Will, now that we get into names, that's why Brian Dable is my first interview. It's not necessarily because I think he's the best candidate, but I want to talk to somebody who is in the division, who has worked with a really good quarterback in Josh Mm -hmm. Allen, who is completely different from Tua Tungabailoa, 
but more importantly, also worked with Tua at Alabama. And Mm -hmm. I want to know from talking to Brian Dable, hey, if you come here, do you think that Tua Tungabayaloa is the answer to be a franchise quarterback? Do you think that you could win a Super Bowl with Tua Tungabayaloa here? Because we know that you have worked directly with him, and you have also worked with one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the NFL. But look, even though he hadn't won a Super Bowl yet, I think we can agree that Josh Allen has the talent needed to win a Super Bowl as a quarterback. So mm-hmm. you have all of those perspectives. So that's why Brian Dable would be my first interview. Beyond that, Will, I need to have somebody who I honestly can walk in and say, look, organizationally, this is where I think you guys are falling short. You know, I've watched you guys. Obviously, I'm, I'm grinding with my team, but this is what I, I see lacking in your organization. Because, I, Will, I, I think if you just try to pick names out of a hat with this thing, like, look, Mike McDaniel, perfect example. I love the 49ers offense. I'm sorry, but that's not Mike McDaniel's offense. That's Kyle Shanahan's offense. Mm-hmm. I love that, that that Buffalo had a fantastic offense this year. Maybe it's Brian Dable's offense, but more likely it's because you have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. And so, Will, I don't need somebody who has been a successful coordinator to come in and sell me on why he's a good X's and O's guy when he's out there playing with a stacked deck. I need somebody yeah. to come in and say, okay, these are your organizational shortcomings. This is where we have done things at places where I've worked before and it's been successful. And this is what I see lacking in the Miami Dolphins organization mm-hmm. that I think that I can come in and help fix. And this is my plan and vision for doing it. You know, I like Dable as a possibility because of what you mentioned. I also like going younger, you know, uh, whether you look for a Kellen Moore, whether you look for a Byron Leftwich, who's done a very nice job in Tampa. But I go back to the risk you take. And I remember, and I know Dolphin fans that are listening and watching remember when Joe Philbin got hired. I remember Joe Philbin getting hired. And I think to my, I thought to myself, he's coming from Green Bay, that offense, you know, he's a guy I could bring that here. And then I met Joe Philbin after the job and I said to myself, Ooh, Joe Philbin doesn't really have the personality that I was expecting or the, maybe he's just an offensive genius. And mm-hmm. then you start finding out what I was just talking about earlier about aligning yourself with a quarterback. When you have a successful quarterback, it makes you look like a lot better coach. And it works that way for offensive coordinators too. And like Kellen Moore, who has a Dak Prescott, no matter what happened in that playoff game, Dak Prescott's one of the best quarterbacks in all the football. You have a Byron Leftwich, who I think does have a bright future potentially as a head coach, who, by the way, has Tom Brady as his quarterback. Eric Bieniemy, same thing. Eric Bieniemy is a guy who gets getting bypassed. I think it's an interesting name, someone that maybe the Dolphins, certainly other teams will need to talk to, but he's aligned with Patrick Mahomes. It, it, my point being, it's so hard to just pinpoint a guy and say, that is the guy, and take a chance on him because you could be back in this situation in two or three years. That's why, to me, the retread route, while it's not always the sexiest one, sometimes maybe is the better one, getting a coach who maybe didn't succeed somewhere else. You know, Jim Caldwell is a name that's come up a lot because Jim Caldwell did succeed other places, but he got fired for being pretty successful in Detroit. I don't know if Jim Caldwell at his age and what he wants to do as a fit. I do think Jim Caldwell will get a job again as a head coach. I'm not sure if it's here with Miami. Josh McDaniels is another guy I know that everybody always talks about. He's a name that gets cycled around when you hear, but I think he's a quarter. Dan Quinn, who certainly didn't end well uh, in Dallas, but he is a name that you hear a lot of. I 
I always feel like in this case, given what's happened with the Dolphins history of late and with Adam Gase and Joe Philbin, and then giving mm-hmm. up on Brian Flores, that maybe the retread is the route to go. But I guess as you hear all this, Clay, it goes back to my original point. When you fire someone but don't really have a direct understanding on who that next person is going to be, you're setting yourself up for this failure all over again. And it's a failure we've seen in this organization now for a decade plus. Right. And there's not going to be a Mario Cristobal, right? Like when when the Hurricanes hired Mario Cristobal. Well, there could. Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was the answer. If you really thought you could get Jim Harbaugh. Well, meaning from a... If you want to sell the perspective of look, he he won in the NFL, took his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was a failure. Yeah. He won okay. in college and he's got the big name. That's the only one I would have said. Okay. Fire Brian Flores for that, I would have been fine with. But none because, of these names excite you otherwise. Yeah, and, and that's fair. You have somebody who was a successful NFL head coach, kind of left on his own. And and mm-hmm. I understand that. I'd be curious to know why Vance Joseph didn't work out in Denver. Like I, that's another name, another retread. And and he's somebody, so, you know, as, as a fan, you're always like so in love with the new hot name, but I mean, how often does that work out versus not right. And well, if you get the good quarterback, right. If you get worked out for Zach Taylor, because he's got Joe Burrow, right. Right. It's, it's rare that you have, yeah, it's rare that you have a Sean McVay who is able to succeed so wildly Mm -hmm. with Jared Goff. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're, if you're trying to find the next Sean McVay, good luck because it took a long time for anybody to find the first Sean McVay. And everybody's so, trying to find the next Belichick. Good luck with that because they're all failing too. You could throw flow potentially into that mix. I mean, but I mean, they don't, they haven't turned out well. It's hard to just find a guy to be that next guy. It doesn't yes. work that easily. So, so to me, there is not going to be a single person that I'll look at and say, yep, you know what? Home run higher. Unless you like go and, and find a way to steal Sean Payton from the New Orleans Saints. So you go like if you go and you steal a a dynamic, successful sitting head coach that nobody is talking about right now yeah. because it doesn't even seem like a possibility because of tampering and draft picks and all that, yeah. then that's one thing. But beyond that, Will. Any name is going to be a yeah. crapshoot. Leslie Frazier. How about Leslie Frazier? Leslie Frazier is is a coach that I think I think is a guy that should get another chance as head coach. I think he's a guy that that can be successful. Uh, will that excite Dolphins? Another defensive minded coach, a retread, a guy that's not the hot shot name it certainly wouldn't excite the fan base. But I think it would be a solid hire. I don't I don't have a problem with it. But again, it goes back to why not just keep building off what you had. We understand. Stephen Ross says that it wasn't possible because you can't. What was the word he said? I don't think we can really work. If there's not alignment, then you can't work together, which, by the way, FY isn't true. And you think everybody in every organization, you don't think there are organizations that that have clashes within the front office and with coaches, but for the betterment of the team, find a way to have answers. Not everyone. How can you have Clay? You and I are two guys that love sports and that pretty much aligned in what we think, but we're not always agreeing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you can't, I don't expect, think we agree on Jim Harbaugh right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, how can you expect two people, four people, six people in a room of scouts and executives and front office personnel and football people and coaching staff to sit and say, yes, we're all in agreement. I mean, disagreement. What does Spo always say? I love those uncomfortable moments. Yeah. You don't think yeah. Eric Spolster and Pat Riley have sat there in meetings with Andy Ellisberg and Spolster has said, 
I don't like this player. I don't want this player on my team. And Pat Riley's had to say, you know what? I like this player, but I'm going to go with you and agree with you. And Andy Epson, I mean, that's part of evaluating. That's part of having a franchise. How can you make it sound like they're always going to be an agreement and that you can't run a successful franchise when you don't agree on everything? It doesn't work that way. That's another part of this baloney that I don't understand. But I will say this. I think it's a good list of candidates I, from a retread perspective, and I think that there are young guys that certainly could pique the interest. Brian Dable is probably the one name, and you said it right off the bat, that will appease Doll fans enough to think that the change of floors was the right one to go in the right direction to have a guy, especially now that you've said Tua is your quarterback. Yeah, because it would kind of affirm to Dolphins fans that you have somebody who is respected as a coach that has clearly gone to the Dolphins and said, oh, yeah, I can work with him. And so, you know, any questions that may be – and by the way, uh, the fact that there was some sort of lack of alignment between Brian Flores and Tua Tungavailoa, just to, to use the buzzword today, I think it only kind of furthers these factions that you see on social media where, man, like if you say one thing that isn't 100% positive about Tua, everybody's going to jump on you, right? And so if you like Tua – then you want a coach that you believe can work with Tua and that you believe believes he can work with Tua. And he wants to come to the Miami Dolphins organization because of the chance to work with Tua Tungabailoa. Yeah. I'll end this with one thing, Will. I want to, one of my favorite phrases is if you want to go somewhere you've never been before, you got to do something that you've never done before. You got to do things that you've never done before. Mm -hmm. And well, the only way you do that is by hearing no. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you keep hiring people who are going to do the things that you want, how are you going to expect any results different than what you've gotten since you took over as the owner of the Miami Dolphins? Like if, if somebody is telling you no, it's probably a good thing. And until you realize that things aren't going to change as an organization, I don't care who it is that's the coach. Things are not going to change until you're willing to admit, you know what? Maybe we have not gotten this thing right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think the bottom line is this, you know, I, I have defended Tua a lot. And again, I go back to the way I said about Brian Flores. Tua doesn't need me to defend him. I mean, what does he care? I mean, he's, he's, he's got to worry about being a good player and, and growing and learning. But when you look at, at what's happened to him, right? He's had to have very thick skin to deal with all the criticism, to deal with the Deshaun Watson rumors. And I appreciate that about him. But you know what? In this situation, he also has to have thick skin because he also has to know that a head coach just got fired because they couldn't get along. You yeah. know, And that's not Tua's fault. I mean, that's Stephen Ross's decision. Tua did not fire Brian Flores. But you got to, at the same time, know that it's on you to improve as a player. It's on you to reach that next level. And they're putting this all on Tua now. You know, you spent a year of deflecting the Watson rumors and having this cloud. Now you have the pressure of, like, we just fired a head coach because we picked you over this head coach, essentially. At some point, Tua's going to have to take that next step. And that point has to be now. I mean, that point has to be next year. So if there are truly questions about his work ethic, if there are truly questions about his dedication – all things, by the way, that I back to the whole you know scapegoat and throwing out things and, and rumors and gossip. I mean, we didn't hear about this during the season. Nobody seemed to care when Tua was posting a pic golfing or whatever. No, who cares? 
it's when you don't have success that all of a sudden people point to these things. But Tua Tungabalo will have to be the answer to the riddle of, you know, hey, is this the guy? He's the only one who can answer it. He needs yeah. to go out and be the guy. And while a head coach and an offensive minded head coach will help, while the rebuilding of the offensive line that Chris Greer now can no longer blame, blame Brian Flores about for the advancement of whatever or coaches Adam that they decide. For that matter. Yeah, or I mean... anyone. Exactly. Whatever happens next. Tua has to improve. Tua has to put it on himself to improve because if he doesn't, there's no more scapegoating. If he doesn't, there's no more blaming the other guy. You know, he's not going to be the quarterback of this team. I am fine with him coming back. What did we say our last podcast? I'm fine with Brian Flores coming back for a fourth season, but he has a lot to prove. And I think that Tua Tungvalu should be the starting quarterback of this team, and he has a lot to prove. Well, guess what? Brian Flores is gone. He's not going to prove anything for the Dolphins. It's still on Tua Tungvaloa to prove that he can be the guy. And all this scapegoating, Clay, and all these excuses and all these leaks and information that apparently and all this lack of collaboration and whatever the heck, all this BS that Stephen Ross is bringing out there and feeding us will not matter anymore because they have no one else to blame. Chris Greer is aligned with, with, uh, with Tua Tungvaloa and whatever head coach they bring in, and you better hope they start winning next year because I can't imagine that Tua's then the quarterback for the future if they don't, and that Chris Greer's the general manager for the future if they don't. Yeah, and, and he has to show a lot. I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's realistic to expect him to go out and you know compete with some of these teams in the division, even though New England got blasted uh, in Buffalo on Saturday night. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that they're a step ahead of where the Dolphins are in, in whatever you want to call it, a rebuild, a, uh, a rebirth, whatever it is. Buffalo clearly the class of, divi of the division, so it's going to be hard – to make the playoffs in this division competing with those teams. Even if you don't make the playoffs, you need to see some growth from Tua. And I need to see that whoever they hire as a head coach and whoever that coach hires as an offensive coordinator, or if he's calling the plays himself, you need to see some sort of, again, using this buzzword, alignment. You need mm -hmm. to see that you are building an offense around Tua and that when it is starting to get in place, that some of the things that we've seen too, some of the shortcomings, the lack of arm strength, the uh, poor decision-making at times, those need to start to improve. And, mm -hmm. and I, I need to see that happen rather quickly because you know, yeah. by year three now in the NFL, this isn't like the good old days when, man, they give you as much time as you need. Uh, you know, you'll sit behind a starting quarterback. I mean, what Steve McNair, did he not even play till his third year, I think, or, or whatever it was? It was a couple like, of years at least, yeah. You're, you're three now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, by the way. Something. Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Yeah, there's another one. Aaron Rodgers, same Brett thing. Favre, yeah. like, like back then, it was okay to wait that long. Now, you're three. You better be showing something or it's your fault and not the coach's fault anymore. Yeah. And, and look, we're going to end it with that. Uh, this is – the end of the Brian Flores era, no matter how much we sit here and don't understand it, no matter how much there are people listening that are probably saying, good, he deserved to get fired. Others saying he didn't. The point is he's been fired. And that's one less scapegoat to go around. You know, like that now, you know, there's there's one less person for Stephen Ross to blame for the struggles of the Miami Dolphins. But at some point, you're going to start running out of people and you're going to have to blame Chris Greer. And I know that he said he blames himself, but I mean, you know, what else is he going to say? Oh, I take full yeah. responsibility for what? For all the changes? The Dolphins are coming off. I said it three times during this podcast, back-to-back -back winning seasons for the first time since 2003. I mean, there was and there is positive momentum. I'm not going to make it seem like all is doomed and this organization is a mess. Someone asked me on Twitter the other day, like, oh, are the Dolphins as big a mess as they are? They seem to be. And I said, no, because they actually have a good roster. 
I actually like the Dolphins roster. There are issues in the offensive line. Obviously, we don't like. They need probably three new starters there. That's a lot in the offseason, but it's been done. You've seen teams with success the last couple of years do that. I still think there are questions whether Tua could be the guy, which we just discussed. I, I think there are questions about playmakers aside with, alongside Jalen Waddle. I think, obviously, you have to figure out what you're going to do with Mike Kosicki. But I think, overall, this is a roster, given the assets they have. By the way, we haven't even mentioned the two buzzwords, cap space, right? The cap space that Chris Greer will have to, at his disposal the ability to make moves. And now that you're not going to make that kind of trade for Deshaun Watson, where you'd have to give up the farm and do all these different things and manipulate the salary cap. There are ways for this team to be really good next season, but you got to move forward and make the right decisions that this franchise still can't find a way to make. And whether the right decision was to fire Brian Flores, Clay, I don't know, but uh, I guess the question now becomes this one that with this, who do you think is the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins? You seem to think Brian Dable is probably the safest bet. I think Dable is the safest bet because of the connection with Tua. And and put it this way, if Brian Dable is not the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, I'll start to question a lot whether Tua is a franchise quarterback even more than I was before. Because if, if somebody who has worked with him can't sell the organization on mm-hmm. his vision to work with Tua or tells him flat out that he doesn't want to work with Tua, then mm-hmm. I would have more questions about that. So that's why I'm leaning more towards Brian Dable because it's kind of the path of of least resistance and you kind of check a lot of boxes yeah, that way. I, I I'm leaning more toward retread because I feel that a, a retread coach, a coach with a little more experience can probably come in and hire a pretty good staff, which was certainly an issue with Brian Flores. I think if you can hire a retread coach who can, who can focus on the team and then bring in some good young coordinators that, that again, with that respect of that coach to follow, bring in a young staff and not have the issues because when we go back on Brian Flores, his downfall, whatever whatever Stephen Ross says, part of his downfall was the fact he could not assemble staffs. He could not assemble mm-hmm. staffs on offense, and that is something that this next head coach will have to build. Someone with a little experience likely can do that better than a brand-new coach, a, a coach that comes over as a coordinator. I think that's something to follow. Again, these are all interviews that are going to come in the next few days. By the time we talk again in a week, maybe the Dolphins hire a new head coach, though I'm not sold that it will be that quick of a process. But then again – Clay, we wrapped up a podcast not thinking that, in, a, in a Sunday night show, not thinking that Brian Flores is going to be fired, and he was 12 hours later. Yeah, let me add one thing to what you just said as far as your next candidate goes. If you want to learn one thing from what may have gone wrong with Brian Flores as far as assembling a staff, mm. I, I would think that looking back, hiring somebody who had only worked in one organization may be a bit of a problem for this reason. If point. you don't go work in other organizations – you're not exposed to a greater number of coaches. This is fair. So unless yeah. Flores was going to assemble his staff made up of pretty much only former New England Patriots staffers, mm-hmm. then it was going to be really hard for him to bring he, he in tried, people that he trusted. He, tr- he tried. Yeah. Let's yeah. not forget, he, he tried early on. He did. He it did. just didn't it, work that way. And so, again, that's where, where somebody like Brian Dable or, or one of the retread coaches you mentioned would check yeah. a lot of boxes. These guys have been a lot of places. And so they've been able to work with a lot of people – that they can value what they do over other people that they, you know, when you have a larger pool of people that you've worked with before, the cream kind of rises to the top. And, and so well, I would say, I agree. If, if there's one thing that you can learn from the Brian Flores experience, for lack of a better term, it's, it's probably a safer bet to hire somebody who has more of a tree as far as coaches that they've worked with before. Fair. And I, and I think that's where we'll end it. You know, the, the Brian Flores era is done. That's it. We don't have to talk about it anymore, whether we agree with it or not. 
but don't screw this one up because if you're going to fire a coach, you better get the next one right. And it's something Stephen Ross has not proven to be able to do uh, to this yet throughout his tenure. All right, that's your Miami Sports Pod. Always appreciate you listening, subscribing, watching. Uh, we will certainly be back at some point soon, Clay, in the next week, maybe with an update on the coaching situation. Obviously, following us, what happens in South Florida sports. Thank you.